For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. The Red Tops and the Broadsheets do talk of weather this morning. Parts of the country was getting right down and they've lots of snow up the country in many places and minus 11 and minus 12 degrees. In fact, Matt Aaron was saying and quoted in this morning's mirror uh, that uh, they uh, could, you know, this could be the coldest of the deep freeze and predicted temperatures in some parts today of minus 11 or minus 12 up the country. And that would be uh, the chilliest day of the year for sure and the lowest temperatures in like 12 years. Uh, in 2010, the big freeze, remember that the big snow, uh, they recorded temperatures up the country, probably somewhere in the Midlands, I would imagine, of just under minus 19 degrees. Uh, and that would have been an overnight temperature. The uh, it, overnight would be always, you know, a lot colder than the daytime. Uh, but I won't, I won't bore you with stats and figures. It's cold. And they're also thinking that, you know, with Met Office aren't ruling out the chance because they say just to cover all the bases, that there's always a chance of a white Christmas. And that's a story uh, on the new ins- on the inside pages of The Sun this morning. Now, sadly, sadly, there has been the death of an Irish peacekeeper um, in Lebanon. They were travelling to Beirut. That story doesn't make the newspapers this morning, but it does make many of the online editions. And I've been reading it in uh, on the independent.ie this morning. I've been following it on Cork Bio and I've also been following it um, on RTE's news service. Um, and it's, it's just so, so sad. I will come back to this in a few minutes' time. Um, Irish peacekeeper who died after a convoy was attacked in Lebanon. They were part of a convoy travelling to Beirut, I believe, when they came under attack shortly after 9pm Irish time uh, last night. Now, one Irish soldier pronounced dead on arrival at hospital. Another is in a serious condition and has undergone surgery. Uh, the other two wounded soldiers are being treated for minor injuries. Part of the 121st Infantry Battalion, I believe there are um, over 330 soldiers in that battalion alone. Um, now, I, I did hear from a source this morning, although I can't 100% confirm it as of yet, that as part of that convoy travelling to Beirut, that there was one Cork soldier, but uh, uninjured, thankfully. Uh, but no more than that do I know. But I'll come back to this in a few minutes' time. Um, we, we all know of, if you remember and, and you follow the story of the horrific death of um, a Cork woman um, by the name of Mary O'Keefe in a woodland in Donnerail in February of last year. Um, well, the man who was found responsible for that um, yesterday was sentenced to life imprisonment because he had pleaded guilty to the murder of 72-year-old Mary O'Keefe in Donnerill. Um, he was described in court as a, and I'm quoting from this morning's Echo, as an emotionally manipulative man who murdered a woman he'd become obsessed with. Um, forgive me for the graphic detail of this hour of the morning or any time of the day. Uh, obsessed with a woman by setting fire to his car while she was still inside it. Uh, a man called Michael Leonard from Kilmanock County Limerick sentenced to life imprisonment yesterday for that. And the court heard that Leonard had arranged to meet uh, Mary O'Keefe at the wooded area, but within minutes of her arrival, and she's in his car, he threw two gallons of petrol into his car while she was sitting in it and set it on fire. Uh, now, the autopsy, oh, it's just tragic, found that uh, she was still alive when the fire started. And her her wonderful granddaughter, Nikki O'Keefe, said the most beautiful things in court. She was crying when she told the court of her grandmother's love of music and dancing, her generosity and her kindness. Uh, the Red Tops pick up on the story, as as they would do. In the mirror this morning, it says that, um, he, that when the judge passed sentence, there was loud clapping in the court from the people who knew and loved uh, Mary O'Keefe. 
Apparently, Mary and um, her killer had formed a relationship for some time in 2019, but she made, made it very clear to him in the nicest possible way that she no longer wished to see him or continue the relationship. But he couldn't do it. He couldn't hack it. And of course, this is what it resulted in. A life sentence for him and the loss of a lover, a loved one and a friend to the rest of the community and it's absolutely tragic. Um, as we head into Christmas you will see the boys and girls of Cher on your streets from today. The Cher crib went up earlier in the week and over 2,000 of them from 22 schools across the city will have the familiar yellow jackets on and as the Echo says this morning they'll be rallying the troops uh, for share. So if you see them out there rattling the boxes, give what you can. They'll be there, as the Echo says, and they're quoting uh, share people this morning. Um, they'll be there through wind, rain, hail, and also plunging temperatures to do the best they can to raise as much as they can again this year. But I think it's, I mean, are they winding us up? When you're reading the examiner this morning, Owen English saying that a high-level group charged with the strategic coordination of homeless services in Cork. And I could fill day after day with stories of homelessness, poverty, people on our streets, people having to go to Simon, people having, and of course Simon have seriously stepped up. The day room is open 24-7 now trying to do the best they can. But the strategic group that's supposed to coordinate a solution to homeless services hasn't met in a year. And of course, what, what's blame for it? COVID. Like in, in 2035, we'll be blaming COVID for uh, the inequities of the system, won't we? I mean, it's hard to believe. It just jumps off the page. They haven't met in a year. At the biggest crisis point that we've had with regards to homelessness and poverty, in, I mean, I mean, ever, I would think. And then, of course, we have fuel poverty and we have all sorts of other issues with regards to people trying to just survive. And the Mail this morning hones in, in particular group, cancer patients who have to, had to cut back on their heating, uh, heating of their homes. And you imagine people who are going through cancer and the diagnosis of cancer and trying to deal with chemo and all the implications of that. You know, one of the things they need is to be comfortable and warm at home. But their homes are plummeting just as the temperatures are plummeting because of soaring energy costs. And so those battling illnesses are spending an average of nearly €300 a month on heating, electricity and petrol um, for hospital visits alone and and a €200 a month top up to all sorts of medical expenses. So what has to suffer just to like to try and get themselves healthy and fit and survive? Other things have to, um, you know, uh, be put on hold or reduced. And that, of course, includes heating the homes. And then the examiner has a couple of different stories, not all of them related to Cork, but certainly related to A&D experiences in hospitals around the country, whether it's Cork or whether it's uh, over in Limerick. The University Hospital in Limerick makes this morning's examiner because part of this report highlighted lengthy waiting times. And they spoke with one patient who was 116 hours on a trolley in the University Hospital in Limerick. But the examiner says this morning that patients are describing their hospital ordeals where they're just not safe from harm. And that's the headline. So in, in other news, and I suppose if you're looking for glimmers of hope, uh, even though the Irish, uh, the Irish Times this morning dismiss all glimmers of hope for 2023 uh, with their front page, they're saying in the front page of the Times this morning that there will be um, an economic uh, well, there will be a sharp slowdown um, and not not a slowdown in the bad stuff, uh, you know, a slowdown in the economy and the Irish economy will experience an even more of a slowdown in, in 2023. But the only upside is the petrol prices are now at their lowest level for more than a year. Uh, and if you read into that, they're now at their lowest since September 2021 
with a litre costing on average €1.60. So, in fact, petrol prices, if you to believe that, are lower since the war in Ukraine started and hopefully will continue to drop because the average price for diesel now is 174 and the average for petrol is 160. I'd be much more comfortable if it was down around the 130, 140 mark myself. But also home heating as oil is down. I know, I know I mentioned this yesterday, and it's down 30% since March. And I know I mentioned yesterday morning that you need to be talking to your heating supplier if you're getting a refill. And the refill has not got a serious discount on it. It should be a lot cheaper. And um, Ukrainians are being urged not to come to Ireland for the three-week pe- period over Christmas because we just have nowhere to put Ukrainian war refugees. And that's the story from the, the examiner this morning where Rodrigo Gorman's officials are saying we're urging Ukrainians don't travel to Ireland, park it for now until the new year because we just don't have the capacity. One other upside, of course, is that if, um, you know, if petrol prices and diesel prices and drop then maybe supermarket prices might as well if the cost of transportation drops because fuel costs drop one thing that isn't is house prices and if you were to average it and round it up house prices in ireland have risen by 10 percent in the past 12 months now that in isolation is a shocking figure but when you put the increase from 2021 onto that and 2022 onto that and 2019 you're probably going to find that in the past five years house prices have gone up by 40 or 50 percent and while all that's happening um, in a cash strapped strapped organization that is involved we are told in a massive cut cost cutting plan to reduce debt ginormous debt RTE are planning on giving 1.5 million euro in gift vouchers to employees over the next two years this year and next year it's an astronomical sum 1.5 million in uh, gift vouchers I mean who in the private economy would be able to do anything like that and they're trying to reduce spending there by something like 60 million Um, that's not the way to do it by spending 1.5 million on it for staff gift vouchers and some of the red tops are critical because 1800 staff are expected to receive gift cards and some of the gift cards are in denominations of 1000 euro so who's going to be getting a gift card for 1000 euro it's a great way to reward staff because it's it's tax free it's just it's just like cash you can spend it anywhere you want but 1800 of them are expected to receive these gift cards and it's not as if I'm bitter you know that I want a gift card I certainly don't I don't want anything from anybody just pay me what I earn and let me get on with it but I know how Ryan Tuberty or Joe Duffy or Ray Darcy feel about it getting, I don't know I don't even know if they're part of it whether they'll get a gift card and how much it will be do you notice how many cyclists are out there uh, yesterday um, on two different occasions, I saw two Muppets on bikes. One was just a punter, and she cycled along in the dark. Mind you, yesterday I also saw three different cars going along, just driving along the roads with no lights on whatsoever. Saw another one this morning. You think if you look at the dash, you'd notice that it's pitch black, wouldn't you? I mean, do people look at their dash anymore? But anyway, the cyclists now are very critical of the low rates of fines for endangerment, as in they want more motorists fined. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a two-way street here, if you'll pardon the pun, lads. And the guards will have cameras, uh, and this is going to be passed into law. A new law allowing the move to go ahead will be enacted within weeks. How are they going to do that? Because they're going on their holliers uh, this week. But the guardie will be wearing body cams while on duty over the course. And you'll start seeing that from next year. Thank God, because it's way overdue. And with the Christmas countdown well underway, of course, and people engaging in festivities and socialising, you're going to find, apparently, I'm told, that Generation Z, Gen Z, are drinking less because they want to be healthy and they're going to the gym and they're watching what they're putting into their body, which is a good thing. So, And they also hate hangovers, Gen Z, apparently. So they're going now for 
zero alcohol beers and they're flying off the shelves. I mean, you can go into places on busy nights and they have no more Heineken Zero. But they're also going from the option of, um, you know, instead of going for um, something that's laden with alcohol in a cocktail, going for the alcohol-free cocktails as well. So that's a story from the mail today. But you're more likely to fight on Christmas Day than any other day of the year. Now, this is not a story that should be laughed at or looked in a kind of a comedic sense. This is fairly serious because couples are more likely to fall out or fight on Christmas Day than more than any time of the year. Uh, the You know, they try and make light of it by saying, particularly with the in-laws and what have you, but it's actually quite a serious story in the sense that, you know, you will find a, a peak in domestic abuse and domestic violence on Christmas Day and that's very very sad text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 0818104106 we've got calls texts and comments on the way The Neil Prenderville Show on Cork's Red FM two time gold winner at the Imro Radio Awards 2022 Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. I mentioned uh, earlier on at the start, an Irish peacekeeper has died after a convoy was attacked in Lebanon. Um, part of a convoy travelling to Beirut when it came under attack shortly after 9pm uh, Irish time. I'm joined by Simon Coveney, Minister for Defence and Foreign Affairs. Simon, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Have you any grasp as to what happened at all, I wonder? Yes, I mean, I mean, as you'd expect, I've I've been on the phone a lot uh, through the night to uh, to the chief of staff um, uh, and uh, and our team in um, in southern Lebanon. I mean, this is um, this is the worst possible news for any family uh, to to have a uh, a son serving as a peacekeeper abroad, um, losing their life like this is is just shocking and tragic news and unfortunately that's news that had to be delivered last night um, effectively what happened here Neil was we had uh, there were two armoured vehicles that, that left our main base uh, in in southern Lebanon that they were travelling to Beirut um, there were there were two of our soldiers needed to come home on compassionate grounds for, for family reasons um, and the others were obviously accompanying them for security reasons and um, these are effectively you know, armoured Land Rovers, um, and um, they they got separated, uh, and one of them, unfortunately, got surrounded by a hostile crowd, and um, shots were fired, and um, one of our one of our soldiers was killed, and and another, very seriously injured, uh, has been operated on overnight, and is um, is in critical condition, um, but um, we've we've moved them to the to the UN hospital in um, in southern Lebanon. Uh, the other two, by the way, who were in the car were not seriously injured, but of course they've also been, been supported in hospital. Um, so, you know, this is, um, uh, this is a route between, between the, the, the camp and, and Beirut that we would travel regularly. I've, I've been there three times in the last 18 months uh, and I've been on this road as well. Um, so while there has been tension at different times on the ground uh, where... Um, UN patrols have been blocked at times. Uh, nothing like this has happened uh, uh, in recent months. Uh, and uh, Irish troops in Lebanon are more experienced than any other country. We've been there since 1978. We've had 30,000 tours of duty. Um, more than half of Irish Defence Force personnel have served in Lebanon at some point in their careers. Um, so this is a country and a part of Lebanon that we know well. 
we have very close relationships with local communities there. We're involved in lots of community and charity projects on the ground to try to prevent incidents like this happening. Um, so despite the training, despite the planning and despite the experience, um, there has been a, a very aggressive incident that has resulted in uh, in one of our people dying. And um, and our focus very much today is on the broader defence family, uh, yeah. to the Heron and to, to, to families that have loved ones that are serving overseas. Yeah. And of course, to the family that's been directly impacted or the families that are directly impacted. And we're providing all the support that we can this morning. Yes, and of course, everybody's hearts are broken. Um, and, uh, you know, like just on a personal note, I'm due to talk, was due to talk to soldiers serve, serving in the Lebanon who'd be saying, you know, hi to their mams and dads and families back here in Cork, as we do every year. We send some hampers out as well to lads and girls who are serving. They put on that uniform every day, really not knowing, you know, what kind of situations they might find themselves in. But this is this 47th death now in, in, in Lebanon. Is it time for a review or should we just wait a while and then maybe look at whether or not there is a need, I wonder? Well, I mean, you know, I think that the first thing to say is that is that we haven't had a fatality for, for more than two decades. You know, the, the last uh, fatality we had in Lebanon was as the result of an accident. Uh, that was in 2000 uh, and the one before that in, um, in 1999. So, you know, we've actually had more than 20 years of... Uh, I'm glad to say, relative calm by by southern Lebanon standards. Uh, and of course, part of the reason for that uh, is our troops being there, uh, preventing, uh, uh, protecting local populations, trying to ensure that peace lines remain peaceful. Um, and um, But peacekeeping can be dangerous. Things can change very quickly on the ground. Um, and that's always a risk. Uh, we try to manage that risk as best we can. Uh, but I can assure you, having spoken to um, to some of our Defence Force personnel um, that are uh, our serving personnel on the ground in Unifil this morning are safe. Uh, and this was an incident that that happened, and we will get absolutely to the bottom of what happened through an, a thorough investigation. Um, but um, um, but I don't think we'll be we'll be pulling out of Unifil or anything as a result of this. But but of course we need to to fully understand what happened, and we need to support the families that have been impacted. Yeah, the Irish Army itself over the years really have a, a very good relationship with the local communities out there. I mean, they they've won. They, my understanding was they seem to have won the trust on all sides and that people very much respected them. But would you have lots of different little militia groups or something, and you just can't trust all of them or what? Well, I mean, look, um, a big part of peacekeeping is building relations with local communities. Yeah. And and Irish soldiers are really good at that. Yeah. You know, and I've seen lots of examples of us. They, uh, they get involved in charity fundraising. They get involved in engineering projects in local towns and villages. Uh, they get involved in uh, local community work. Um, so, you know, Irish soldiers are very popular in southern Lebanon generally. Um, uh, and that's why this is such an unexpected incident. There are parts of, of southern Lebanon that are areas where uh, UN patrols find it very difficult to get into. Uh, in military terms, it's what's called denying freedom of movement. Effectively, what that means is that you, get, you can sometimes have armed uh, paramilitaries, effectively, that, that control certain areas that don't allow you to fill in. Um, but it would be very unusual uh, for a, 
a relatively standard run between the main base and Beirut to be to be impacted uh, and fired on like this very very unusual uh, and that's why we need to fully understand what happened the independent this morning it's upsetting to even read this is saying that perhaps they were in an area an unauthorized route um controlled by hezbollah do you have any comment on that well i mean just to say that uh, i mean uh, the parts of 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 southern lebanon where um where unifil don't access are normally areas that are controlled by Hezbollah, uh, who, uh, as people will know, are, are an armed group in southern Lebanon. Um, and, um, you know, a big part of why we're there is because uh, we're trying to contain armed groups uh, and uh, preventing conflict with Israel next door. Um, but, um, but this is what I this is all about, isn't it? A conflict between Israel and Lebanon over land. Well, yes, but I mean, uh, conflicts are, are nearly always about two potentially warring parties, which is why you need peacekeepers to keep them apart uh, and and to try and keep local populations safe. I mean, that's what UNIFIL is about. Uh, and our presence there has, in, in my view, saved uh, many, many lives, perhaps tens of thousands of lives in terms of preventing conflict and war. Um, but unfortunately, too many of our personnel have, have, have paid the ultimate sacrifice to, to protect those lives uh, and that is why Ireland has such a strong reputation internationally for peacekeeping uh, because of the sacrifices we've made and because of the professionalism of our defence yeah, forces yeah. who are the best at what they do yeah. um, um, and uh, and managing risk uh, is, is a big part of, of peacekeeping and we're very very good at it um, uh, and that's why what happened last night is is very unusual. hasn't happened for more than two decades, uh, and when it does, we need to fully understand what what happened, why, and who was responsible, um, so that we can one hold them to account, and secondly, ensure that we uh, that we learn lessons for the future to to protect our own people. But I think it is important to say I don't think we should be speculating on the detail of what happened at this stage. There will be a full investigation that will establish all of that. Today needs to be about supporting the families that are directly impacted and the broader family that is the Defence Forces who will be deeply, deeply hurting this morning. Um, just with regards to the humanity of it, we'd be chatting with a soldier who served out there a little later and he said, you know, many of them at the time when they went out there, they went out there for an adventure and then sooner realised the real reasons they were out there. But I've chatted in the past with just on a human aspect of many who went out to serve and, of course, to do their duty. But also, uh, back here at home, they may have a loved one. They were going to get married. They wanted to save over the deposit of a house. They wanted to get a fund of money together to better their lives. This is the reality of, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, this is the sadness of it. Yeah, I mean, look, a big part of joining the Defence Forces in Ireland is is to serve overseas. You know, people people want to to play a part in, in something bigger than themselves and their community. That's why they wear a uniform. Uh, that's why they go on peacekeeping missions and volunteer for that. Um, and that's why Ireland is respected in the way that we are. I mean, ironically, I'm actually in New York speaking in the UN Security Council today. Um, I, I spoke last night to the head of UN peacekeeping uh, to ensure that there's a proper UN investigation underway, which there is. Um, um, but... Um, people can and should be very, very proud of of our defence forces uh, and the work that they do internationally. It's dangerous, it's difficult, but they are incredibly well-trained and professional at what they do. Uh, and, um, uh, and that is why okay. 
you know, fatalities like this do not happen often. Uh, and when they do, we need to fully understand why um, so that we can learn lessons from it um, uh, to ensure that we protect our people in uniform as best we possibly can. Uh, and I can assure you we will get to the bottom of what happened here. Yeah, um, and to Cork families, I, I don't know whether or not, because I haven't 100% confirmed whether or not there was a Cork soldier as part of that convoy. Do you know the two armoured vehicles carrying a person, that one of them may have been a Cork soldier? Look, I know um, the personnel who were involved, but we're not releasing names okay, okay. at this stage. No, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. Uh, just, we're supporting I'm just, families. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's a fair question. Uh, of course it is. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm sure we'll be able to give the answer to that question later on, hopefully today. But, so what would you say uh, to mothers now, and fathers and brothers and sisters and wives and girlfriends at home who have personnel and family members out there? I would say that they are that they are safe, um, that I have very clear reports this morning that everybody is safe and accounted for, apart from, of course, the people who've been involved in this incident, um, uh, who are in hospital, uh, and of course, one fatality. Um, but, you know, managing risk is part of peacekeeping, uh, uh, and uh, we do a good job at that, very good job, uh, and when incidents like this happen, uh, there will be a very, very thorough review um, to understand what happened and why. Uh, but I can I can reassure all of the families that have loved ones, and there are quite a few from Cork actually, uh, currently in Unifil, um, that uh, that they are they are safe. Uh, they're together, um, but of course they're they're mourning uh, a friend and a colleague and a soldier uh, who um, unfortunately has paid the ultimate sacrifice for for peacekeeping um, last night, uh, and uh, it, it is heartbreaking really. Um, uh, that a family has to um, to go through this um, uh, in the build up to Christmas but at any time of year yeah. um, and my, uh, my thoughts are with them Okay, and so say all of us Simon, thanks so much for taking the call there are so many other issues that I could no, talk to you at this time but it's probably not the right time but just maybe in 60 seconds before I do leave you go and our thoughts are with the families uh, of those that are injured but particularly those of the soldier who died 2023 do you ever see us getting out of this i mean do you think that we're going to weather this storm of economic chaos and cost of living and come out of this anytime soon and if, it, if it's okay with you I'd, i'll happily come on and talk about you know the year i think you're probably right here yeah another yeah. time but i think i think today really is about the defense forces yeah. and uh, you know and the loss that they are you're probably right that you're probably right i uh, responding to today uh, and and that would like to be that's my focus for today i'm afraid okay and i'll let you continue thanks okay. so much simon for taking the call appreciate Thank it on this sad sad, sad bye. day bye. Bye. simon coveney minister for defense and foreign affairs text 0868104106 particularly if you served or indeed you had, if I have a family member, um, although we have been in touch with one or two family members on Lee's side this morning and they're beyond themselves upset and worried, upset for the death and worried for their own sons and daughters who are out there. We're back after the break. I want to chat with Dan Elliott next. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Dan Elliott from Frankfield served in the Irish Army and actually served in the Leb. I imagine he was probably one of the first to go out in the back end of the 1970s. Dan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And yet you put it so well that yet again this morning, someone's family somewhere told that their son and brother are dead. It's heartbreaking news, bearing in mind that you soldiers went out there to keep the peace, right? That's what we went out there for, yes. Uh, we were very young. Um, 
we learned uh, an awful lot in a very short time about uh, how people behave towards each other and it's, uh, some of it was very shocking uh, but it was uh, a, a learning experience for sure mm-hmm. You said that you went out on an adventure but soon realised it was far from that but yet the Irish Army very much respected I believe by all sides at least when oh, you yeah. were there They, they do uh, we, we won their trust uh, because of the way we're trained uh, I think we're recognised now as the, one of the best trained uh, armies uh, regarding peacekeeping in the whole world because uh, we don't get excited. Uh, you know, we uh, re- assess the situation. You know, when the uh, take out the guns is the last resort. And we, we do everything else first. You know, talk. You know, um, and we don't take sides. Um, you know, and we see some awful things, or we saw some awful things. But you know, we learned. We learned an awful lot. But yet, 44 years since you were there, nothing would appear to have changed. Um, I would say that the area that the Irish Army is uh, basically in control of, I I don't like to use that word, it's not control, but... Patrolling. Whoever you oversee. It's it's a very, very calm area, and it's also, um, you know, commerce continues, schools, everything is working, that's what I believe. And this was done because the people, the local people, realized that we weren't their enemies. We weren't pushing them around. You know, we were just, we just wanted them to live a normal life. And we were just there to protect them. And, and the, the use of the gun was a last resort, I think, yeah? Oh, that was the last resort. I, I, we all go back to the Michael Collins dictum, you know, don't use it unless you really have to. And if you have to use it, don't miss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's so heartbreaking because it's been reported online this morning that the peacekeeper who was killed um, left the barracks to travel to Beirut with comrades to begin Christmas leave. It's just so sad. They obviously, they obviously were travelling from wherever they were patrolling to get to an airport in Beirut. Um, I don't know how, that, how long that route was. And literally were in the wrong place at the wrong time on that journey home for Christmas. That's how it happens, Neil. I, or, you know, it, you're in the wrong place at the, at the wrong time. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, bullets, bombs or whatever. They, if your name is on it, your name is on it, you know. Um, it's just bad luck or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, you described it as being um, a, a very a, a devastating place when you were there. You said uh, you, children, play, their playgrounds were, were bomb sites, Um you, 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 you spoke of a child who died literally crossing the road, standing on a landmine, things like that. You came, you came upon these things. That's a very interesting story, uh, Neil, because it, it taught me and everyone that was there an awful lot. This child, I think he was four or five years old, he stood on an anti-personnel mine. You know, these are small little mines that pop up if you're standing them, and they, they blew his legs off, or they blew... And um, the, the Norwegian, uh, they were doing, uh, they did the hospital there in, in, in Lebanon, South Lebanon, and they brought the child down to the Israeli border because there was a hospital quite close to that area in Metula, uh, a famous hospital, Ramban, where all the wounded soldiers from Israel would be taken. And the Norwegians wanted to take them up there. Now, we were there because we were actually coming back 
from Israel, we were on a break. We were at a holiday resort. So there were seven or eight of us there, and we saw the truck coming up to the, the uh, you know, the crossing point, and the Israeli soldiers stopped them, of course. Uh, and the, the Norwegians explained what they had. They had a child in the back, uh, which, you know, badly, uh, badly injured, and the father was there. And uh, the Israelis wouldn't let them cross. And we were kind of upset about that. We were saying, but the hospital just up the road. You know, let them cross. Uh, and we were having that argument with the soldiers that the Norwegians were. Uh, and the Israelis were adamant. They would not let the child and the father cross in that area. So they made, they told the truck to turn around and go up another road, which they did. And while, when they did that, we asked Israel, why, why did you not just leave the child? Take, you know, the, the father was actually trying to hand the child to Israeli soldiers. He's actually trying to hand the child. The child was wrapped in a blanket, blood everywhere. And they wouldn't, the, the soldiers wouldn't take the child. They just wouldn't take him. So when the Norwegian truck was gone, we asked him why. And then they told us the story. They said, if they're under orders, this is the UN crossing point. Nothing else crosses here. And the reason for that is that if they set a precedent that, you know, anybody can cross here, then next week another car will arrive with somebody sick or dying or whatever, and they'll want to go to the hospital and the Israelis would be saying, but you can't, and they'll say, well, you left somebody last mm, week, mm. and then the next following week, someone else will do it, someone else. and then what will happen, someday, somebody will arrive, pretend that they are, have somebody injured, and it'll be a bomb inside in the car, or whatever, and yeah. it'll blow up, yeah. and kill the Israeli soldiers. And that actually happened to them, because they showed a bit of mercy, a bit of compassion, they died. So... They learned yeah, yeah, from that. I know. That is, that, it's a tragic story. God knows what happened to that child. But 47 Irish personnel within the Irish Army have now died. Um, do you think on that at all as to whether they should be there at all? I mean, somebody said to me about text, bear in mind that a lot of the soldiers are so badly paid in Ireland that they're forced to go abroad to risk their lives, to feed their family and try and save a few bob. Uh, what do you think of that? Uh... The pay, yeah, I suppose the pay is not, I don't know what the pay is like now, but uh, yeah, you would, it would make some serious money uh, going abroad, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was why it's popular, I suppose. It's like doing overtime, you know, but overtime in, a, in an adventurous way. I, I have to stress that. I mean, soldiers love the thought of the adventure, the travel, the meeting the new people and all of that. Um, it's, it's an amazing organization. It truly is. I mean... The friends I made in that organization, I still have. My closest friend yeah. in the world is, is from that organization. You know. So. Did you serve one tour? Did you go back after again for a second, I wonder? No, I, we just did one tour. Uh, we were, <laughs> they made a deal with us because we were part of the SAG. Uh, the SAG, which is, uh, now they call it the Army Ranger Wing. Uh, and we were done. And, uh, they, we were due out, our time was up, you know, our contract was coming up, was, and uh, a lot of us were actually leaving the forces. So after spending so much money training us, they asked us would we go out to Lebanon, and uh, when we came back, basically, you know, we'd be well paid, all, all of that, 
and we could leave the army and have this great adventure. Mm. So most of us agreed, and we went out uh, to Lebanon. It wasn't uh, a tour that you regretted, though, no? Oh, God, no, no. It was, uh, it was an, ex- an experience I'll never forget. Uh, you- I, I think when you see, if you look at, like, footage from, from Ukraine and you see the kids walking around with the, the shocked and look on their faces, uh, uh, you, it kind of reminds you of what, what a war zone is like for children. I mean, they, they just don't understand. They don't get it, you know? They just don't get it. Yes, but at the same time, it's, it's not our war, you know? I understand the peacekeeping role that we play o- overseas, but with 47 dead and a family mourning and, you know, Irish mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters worried for their own this morning. Do you think that we should continue on peacekeeping duties? Just your own personal thought. Uh, on a personal level, I would say yes, uh, because, again, if for a young man, which, which I was at the time, it is uh, an amazing experience. It, it's, it's a, it's a really is a gift to you to learn, to see what the world is like. Uh, see the good things, see the bad things, see, see the love, see the hate, you know, uh, see all of that. Um, it's uh, something you learn. You learn an awful lot. You know. Listen, thanks for taking the call, Dan, uh, on such a, a sad day where a comrade of yours uh, has fallen. But in spite of all of that, happy Christmas to you and thank you for taking the call. Thank you, Neil. Take care now. Thank thanks. You. Dan Elliott in Frankfield, who served a tour of duty in the Leb. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 Red FM. And of course, our thoughts are with the three other soldiers who were also injured, one very seriously following the incident where they came under fire, but one peacekeeper has paid the ultimate price, uh, the price of a life um, understood to uh, be coming home on Christmas leave. It's absolutely tragic. I have friends in the Army, Neil, good money when you go abroad, for sure. Did you know it's compulsory that you go once you join the Army? However, you can volunteer to go again. Many of the younger soldiers with no kids and wife try and go a few times if they can. Now, thank you for that text, but I did not know that. And uh, I'm just, because I've seen that text, another one or two texts like that come in saying that it is now compulsory that when you join the army, you must, you know, you would be ordered to go on peacekeeping duties. Now, I'd like to get that clarified 100% just to see if that is the case, because my understanding uh, for many, many years that it was voluntary as to whether or not you wanted to go overseas on peacekeeping duties. But at least one texter there and a few others earlier are saying um, that it's now compulsory when you join. See, you know, the text here saying Simon Coveney was just trying to justify that it's okay for Irish soldiers to die in the lab. Not at all. I mean, I thought he, he handled that conversation uh, was very respectfully to all concerned. Um, you know, you're saying in, in the text here that he's more worried about war in other countries and doesn't actually know where the soldier is from Ireland. No, that, that isn't the case. I mean, you need to listen to what the man was saying. He would, of course, know, but this is not the time to be divulging this kind of information and will come at a later time. And on the point of Simon Coveney not wanting to speak about the cost of living, uh, you know, I think he was right not to answer the question, to be honest with you. I, I asked it because that's what I do. Uh, but I think he was actually right out of respect to the fallen soldier to say, not for today. I can talk about any of these other issues you wish to speak of. He wasn't kicking for touch or, you know, caught on the hopper. And I think the man was right in saying, you know, no, I'll talk about those things, not a bother, but not on this day. And he said that out of respect for the fallen soldier. And I, you know, even though I did ask the question, 
I think he was right not to answer it. Um, and perhaps I shouldn't have asked the question in the first place. Uh, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. It's a very, very sad day. Um, it's not unlike the killing of a guard on active duty, to be absolutely honest with you. It's those kind of lives that really impact us. The loss of a peacekeeper, people who are just trying to, um, you know, make life better, whether at home or indeed overseas. Um, thank you, uh, Kevin. Um, the issue of mandatory selection was also raised last week, um, uh, rightly so. It's a practice used sparingly and only when there is insufficient numbers of volunteers to fill overseas appointments. Simon Coveney actually answered this question. Uh, there's way too many words there, though. If I could just get maybe a, a simpler clarification as to what he said as to whether it is mandatory or voluntary. Uh, He did say, I'm not in a position to give the details of the number of occasions on which mandatory selection for overseas duty has been necessary, but personnel selected for mandatory overseas deployment can appeal their selection. That pretty much makes it quite clear to me that it is no longer 100% voluntary whether you go on overseas duty. It's a mandatory selection now um, used sparingly when there aren't enough volunteers to fill the overseas appointments. So that is clarification, I think, to some extent. Back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And drive with care. Uh, keep those texts coming. Text 86 Pat puts it so well in a text. He says, RIP to the brother soldier who has fallen in Lebanon. All give some, but some give all. Just a short sentence that says so much. Well said to you, Pat. Well said. You know, the fragility of life really uh, is brought to mind when you hear of this. And the tragedy, of course, of losing a loved one, the tragedy of losing a loved one overseas, uh, the tragedy of losing a loved one overseas who was there to just help and intervene and try and keep peace. Uh, It's actually overwhelming, isn't it, when you think of it? And then, of course, that gets you thinking of people who do have loved ones overseas and those that are overseas that are missed or lonely. And you wonder, are they okay and are they safe? And that's why it's great at Christmas time to be able to reach out to those that are overseas on behalf of families at home and the other way around, people who are overseas getting in touch with me. And they have been doing, and they do so every Christmas in their droves. I get so many uh, emails uh, when I ask for them, when we're sending hampers, shipping boxes of Irish goodness around the globe. This year we're doing it in association with the paddybox.com. And I want to say good morning to Graham O'Keefe, who said, first of all, I want to wish you all a very happy Christmas. Uh, and thanks for all the work throughout the year. You're more than welcome, Graham. It's a pleasure and an honour. I'd like to nominate my brother David for one of your hampers. He's my older brother. I miss him every day. He's been living in Long Island, New York for 10 years now. He hasn't been home since 2018. We all miss him, but especially my parents, who might not show it, but you can tell. They'd love to see him this Christmas, but alas, that isn't going to happen. He came home from my daughter Haley's christening in December of 2018 because he's her godfather. Little did we know then that would be the last time we would see him, of course. COVID came along and delayed everything. But anyway, he's built a great life for himself in New York and we're all very proud of him. He teaches in a high school, coaches soccer to young American kids in his spare time. He even does camps during the summer. He's a new girlfriend, Jess, that we have yet to meet. And I'm sure all the fantastic things in your hamper would go down a treat because, to be honest, the American food leaves a lot to be desired. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh really just ask my waist <laughs> please could you pick my brother a little taste of home would remind him that he has many people back in Ireland who miss him and I know he'd appreciate it that's from Graham O'Keefe on behalf of his brother David Merry Christmas to all my two eldest Jonathan and Laura are living in Melbourne it will be my first Christmas without them both in the home it's been a tough few years for all the family after dad uh, me nearly dying but thankfully the fantastic nurses and doctors in the CUH I'm still here and I'm working hard to get back on my feet I'd love to send them a box of goodies and tell them that I love them and miss them and that's from Kieran Kramer who we spoke to on the air some time ago who did go through a serious health crisis I'm writing this email and hoping you can turn into Santi for a brief moment and send a parcel to my niece and nephews in Canada home life was extremely difficult here when Shauna left Ireland to seek new beginnings in Calgary three years ago Ryan needed to get away from home so Shauna went and then Ryan went and he headed to Vancouver earlier this year. They've been they haven't been together since Shauna left home three years ago. But Shauna and Ryan are reuniting this Christmas when Shauna flies to Vancouver to be with her brother. That will be so lovely. Be fantastic if they received a hamper from Cork, says Auntie Anne. And just a quick one now, if you could send greetings to my uncle Michael Mullins in Massachusetts. He is the last surviving member of my mother's side of the family, and he's well into his eighties. He's originally from Farron Ferris, but he left for the States back in the late 1960s. He was back home 20 odd years ago, but as he says, he'll never be back again as he's now too old to travel. He married in the States, had a couple of stepkids, but his wife died a few years back and so did his stepson. Well, we do ring each other every few weeks to catch up on the news. He still works as a landscape gardener, plays a big part in the community. I've just sent the holly bough and I'm sure he'd love a hamper from Ireland to get him through the festive season and remind him of bygone days. He lives alone, but I know his stepdaughter and family are very good to him and make regular visits to keep an eye on him. I hope you get to read this out and send our greetings to Michael. And that's from his nephew, Tony O'Brien. A man now in his late 80s out there uh, is Michael, but uh, as he says himself, too old to get back now, which is kind of sad, which is kind of sad. I hope that that isn't the case and that he does make a trip home to the old sod and the home country. We've got more of those texts and emails to come uh, between now and midday. Um, and pick, we'll be picking out some more hamper winners as well. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Well, I can say that cold wouldn't stop him. Wind wouldn't stop him. Frost wouldn't stop him. Ice wouldn't stop him. Snow wouldn't stop him. He still made it to Cork. The one and only Mario Rosenstock. How'd you get down? I tell you, I was on the seven o'clock. I was on the seven o'clock from Houston Station, and there's no catering. There's no. Nothing. There's nothing. And I went. Sorry, I have two and a half hours. Is there anything there? No. Since COVID, like there's nothing left but there. I'll go on. I said, and I'm there on the first class because I paid for the first class so I could sit in a nice seat. Not even a bloody bottle of water. You used to be able to get a fry coming down a big oh, full Irish. No, that's why I was making. I was waiting for that. And then I arrive in on the taxi <laughs> here, and of course, every time I come to Red FM, the taxi man always has something funny to say about you. Oh God, and it's not all different. Again. So I'm there, we're pulling in, right? And he's telling me about Roy Keane and Gift Grubb and all this over the last two years. And and then he went, we passed a lovely silver Porsche in the Red FM. And he went, oh. Hiya, there's Neil Prenderville's hairdresser's Porsche. <laughs> 
<laughs> it, like, it wasn't your Porsche. It was your hairdresser, Porsche. Your hairdresser, boy. Uh, it was brilliant. And, and listen, so it's it's just great to be here. And they, you know, they, they just, they love you down here. They, or they love to rib you. That, and that's fine by me. Yeah. As long as they're talking about me, I don't care in any way, shape or oh, form. Oh, no, but they just love it, to it rib just, you. We've got a wind-up kind of sense of humor. You know that. I mean, you spent a lot oh, of your time in Cork. Yeah. It's a particular sense of humor, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, when I... Let's all, they'll criticise each other, but damned, they'll be damned offensive if somebody else does it. Well, it's no, no, but it's in fairness, even the guy in the car, he just said, like, you know, how long have you been doing it now? And I went, 23 years. 23 years, yeah? And Jesus never gets boring. And, and I'd say that was the best I could have possibly <laughs> yeah, got. Yeah, that's it why never, you sell out the three gigs in the well, opera house. Yeah, maybe, but, 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 but then they, when I ended up submitting my stuff to do with you this morning on the radio, because we don't just wing it, folks, you know. <laughs> they the, do. The, the producers actually do go, well, what would you like to do on the radio? Would you like to talk about Leo and Hall? Would you like to, whatever. And I submit stuff, and then they go, right, could you make it a bit more cork? <laughs> and then I submit stuff again, and I cork it up, and then it okay, could you cock it up just a little bit more? And I went, sorry, how cork can I possibly make this, right? And then I see the name of the Red FM, okay, they really wanted cork. So I decided I'd cork it up for you. Well, you certainly corked no, no, so, it. So yeah, I'm corking yeah, it up for yeah, you, right? Yeah, and so it, so I said, I, how would I get in and, and introduce all these cork characters that I do in a different kind of way? And I've decided I'd do so many different cork characters, Neil, that I've actually kind of taken a file and app- appendices, right? And I've done it according to their schools at this stage. I love it. Schools. So now I'm down to schools in Cork. This is how regionalised I am. So I'm starting with Presentation Brothers. Right. And of course, in Presentation Brothers, I had Raj. Correct. So I'm absolutely delighted to be here. I don't think I've ever been more excited in my life. I think it's safe to say I'm in a state of pure ecstasy at the moment, (laughs) being on Red FM. And also it had George Hook, of course. You call yourself a shock duck! You have no idea what's going on you and your hampers coming from a council estate, my ass! Right, so that was Hook. And then I decided, right, that's two. So then I said I'd go to Clash the Spirit Knave. Oh, I know who that is. Colossed, colo- and of course, we went to Colossed the Spirit Knave. And how are you feeling? Are you addicted to Salpidine? <laughs> Would you like to talk to me about your mental health problems? Would you? <laughs> Neil, you want to be a comedian for a long time, but it didn't work out, did it? <laughs> yeah? And then I met a fellow coming How are you, Mario? How are you doing? as a fellow walking like a constipated duck. And it was Rob Hefferton. I went to Colossed the Spirit Knave as well. And off he walked down the stairs like a million miles an hour. <laughs> and then I went, Is there anybody else that I do from different schools? And I went, Yeah. The uh, St. Joseph's on the Mardike. And of course, that was John Spillane. I'm brilliant. Mario, how are you? Don't matter about you. I'm fantastic. I'm incredible. Have you heard my new album? I think it's better than any album I've ever done. I'm brilliant. I've written a new song. Where are you going today? Neil Prenderville. I've written a song about Prenderville. He sits on a stool. He'll call you a tool. He's the wild shock jock from Blackpool. <laughs> so that was uh, St. Joseph's on the Mardike. Oh my God. And so then I moved on and I went um, to Colosh the Creech 3. And I went... Um, uh, welcome forward, of course. And uh, this year, this week, I'm going to lose my job, uh, so I'm going to sign on on the Dole down in Hanover Street. Uh, and Leo is going to come in and replace me. I'll have nowhere to go for Christmas, so I'm going to go down to Katrina Toomey in the Penny Dinners. I know Roy Keane is going to be down there serving in the Penny Dinners. <laughs> well, obviously, all credit to Sprouts. Uh, Michal, what do you want on your stuffing? I'd be more gravy, please, Roy, if you wouldn't mind. Gravy. What have you done to deserve gravy at the end of the day? What have you done? You just lost your job. Two years. Two years. Is that all you got out of it? Your man doing videos all over the place, letting them replace you. Going viral in nightclubs at the end of the day. 
what kind of a tool goes viral in a nightclub? <laughs> okay, so that was, and then the Mayfield Community. You forgot about that school. That was me. That was me. Yeah, Mayfield Community. And then I, I hit gold dust because I found a school that has loads of them. Listen to this. <laughs> Listen to this. I found a place called North Mon. That's right. And North Mon created John Creedon. He did. Did you know that Cork is an anagram of rock? And I'm as hard as a rock. Here's Blind Willie No Legs Alabama Boogie Nights with I Ain't Got No Mammy Tonight. <laughs> okay. And it also has... Do you know who else it has? I was talking to him this morning on WhatsApp. It also has Mario, the two Marys. And the two Marys. Like, you need your mental health. is so important, right? Mario, uh, Mario was on my podcast and I was on Mario's podcast. Me and Timmy. And Timmy and I have both been elected mayors of Cork. So we're dual mayors. Mental health mayors, right? That was Northman as well. And do you know who else was in Northman? Cooper. Cooper. How are you doing? We're going out to Frank Greeny. Frank. Good evening, Matt. Tell us about this recent um, criminal activity. Yes, Matt. It's a man calling himself Neil Prenderville. What has he done, Neil? He has um, been robbing thousands and thousands of listeners, Matt, from other stations, <laughs> namely 96FM and Midlands 103 and Cork CR 103 and Patricia Messenger was one of his victims. <laughs> <laughs> and then who else did it produce? It produced Sean Ogo Halpin. I'm so excited. Like, I can hardly you know, like, get any words out of my mouth. Like, 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 and you know who else it produced? Well, you're listening to the smoothest voiced DJ in the whole world here. Get your hamper stories into me. Listen, I know that Christmas can be a time when people turn on each other and families. We have a message in here from Marjorie. Marjorie in Bishopstown says she told her husband Donny to stick his turkey up his feckin' arse. Happy Christmas to you, Marjorie. Get your calls in, get your texts. And of course, there is another person from Cork who went to another school. Ashton Comprehensive by the name of Mario Rosenstock. That's right. And here I am. So you, Mario does Mario. Where'd you get all that research, though? In fairness, I started, there's a lot of work on I, that. I started picking it up along the years, and then when I knew I was coming down here in the last couple of days, I went, could I go further with this? So I texted John Spillane. <laughs> I texted uh, James and Timmy from the two Norries. I went, where did you go? And then I knew Matt had gone to North Mon. Most of them, well, not most of them. Because Matt is always going on about going to North Mon. The lion's share of them are from the Mon. Creedon went to the Mon. I know it was Creedon. I said Creedon. Yeah, I know yeah, that. Creedon but went like, to the Mon. Just... The lion's share of them with the Mon. So basically the Mon is pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Um, and also the different voices they have. Can you imagine? That must have been at such a great school to be yeah. in. Imagine oh. being in the schoolyard. Oh, how are you doing, Sean Og? How are you doing, Matt? Oh, how are you doing, lads? Do you fancy coming on the radio? (laughs) Did you know Blind Boy Alabama Boogie Nights? (laughs) It was brilliant. He is brilliant. Ah, yeah. So so basically, that was my tour of Cork through... um, thing. But you enjoyed my Roy Keane on on Friday night. That was fantastic, because he's been front and centre with the ITV for three weeks in television. Got a bit of a huff there at one stage, went home for a day or two. You you knew that, didn't you? Of course. He just... Like, I don't know why he went home. He said he got fed up with the pundits he was working. I didn't go home. They sent me home. No, you said... I didn't go home. You said you went home for no, a break. No, no, they sent me home. The ITV sent me you home. You said you got fed up with the panelists. No, at the end of the day, I didn't. Nobody wants, to, nobody wants to be a pundit for ITV more than me. Nobody. <laughs> so why did you go home? For Feed the, kids, the dogs. For the kids. For the kids. I went home for the kids. To do an Insta, Insta selfie with the kids. Insta story with the kids at the end of the day. Um, but no, the, the, thanks for saying that about the appearance on Friday night because um, everybody went, with the beard. Jesus, fair play with the beard. Fair play with the beard, because I found a beard. I found a beard. 
basically beards this is technical beards are really hard to get right Neil because they involve as you're, glue as you're discovering from panto uh, <laughs> beards are hard to get hard, hard to get right most beards are crap right you put them on they go nah you still look like you Santa just Claus look untidy you look like a pirate yeah yeah and then I managed to fashion this beard for Roy Keane and everybody went that's Roy's beard <laughs> right so if I ever lose that beard on my way around the country I'm finished that beard could end up what the hell has happened to my why is it doing in Limerick Junction have you ever my Roy Keane is gone do you ever do you ever chat with them about doing them yeah how is he on it you can never really tell us but can you anyway I can because I mean I, I you can Google, you can YouTube it if you YouTube Mario meets Roy Keane or Roy Keane meets Roy Keane must what's it like yeah I mean it was terrifying <laughs> It was 2006. He was still slim. Sorry about that. Uh, He was vicious looking. He had uh, green eyes. The eyes get you. Yeah, his green eyes. Across him in the studio. But his darting eyes. eyes. They pierce right into you. Remember um, Jurassic Park 1? Remember when they're hiding under the kitchen and the velociraptors jump up? Do you remember the velociraptor's eyes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's keen. And his hands are the claws. So he's got velociraptor claws. So when he shakes hands with you, they're kind of they're kind of thin hands, but really grasp. They grasp your whole hand and they is squeeze it. Is there a it. message in the squeezing? Do you think? Yeah, they're, they're, I'm the boss. Is it? Yeah, it's I'm the boss. Yeah, um, and um, and you're but, a bumbling mess. But he kind of smiles when he shakes hands. So he looks at you with the darting green eyes, and then he goes. <laughs> <laughs> so then I sat down, and Ian introduced me as well. As you know, like we have this other guy on the show, and and Rob, yeah, no. <laughs> And I'm, 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 my heart is going at a million miles I can an imagine. hour. A million. My hands are shaking. He does that to you. Yeah, he, my heart's going. At and Ian goes, so he's, he's, he's Roy. <laughs> and, and he goes, is he? And he, yeah, because he, because uh, Roy introduced to Roy. So I said, how's it going? Nice to meet you. At the end of the day. And he goes, oh, how's it going? And I went, a lot of people uh, credit to credit to impersonation, but a lot of people say I sound like you at the end of the day. And he went, nah. <laughs> You don't sound like me at all. All right, no, yeah. Well, I, no, 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 I do sound like you. I do sound like you. And he says, no, you don't sound like me. And then I went, a lot of people says, I laugh like you at the end of the day as well. And he says, no, I don't think so. And then he turns around and he shocked me. He said, make me laugh then. Imagine Roy Keane asking you to make me laugh. So my mind was going at a million miles an hour and my heart is racing and I'm going, don't say a joke because he won't laugh. So I just said, so I said something ridiculous. So I said, yeah, all credit to the FAI. They're a monument to professionalism at the end of the day. And Keane just went, <laughs> I saw him laugh the other night. And actually. then we both laughed. I saw him laugh the other night because his credit card got rejected for breakfast. <laughs> so he said, on, it was, I thought it was the wittiest thing. He said, you have no idea how embarrassing it is when your gold card gets rejected. <laughs> yeah, inverted compliments. Yeah, That's inverted it, yeah. brag. Yeah. Somebody, yeah. And he was even more delighted then that somebody else had to buy him his breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, he's brilliant. And I mean, I mean, people sometimes go like, um, people, people sometimes go like, is your man still on the radio doing Roy Keane, is he? And like, you're going, yeah, of course I'm doing Roy Keane. Do you know why? Roy Keane is more famous now than he was in 2006. Do you get me? I mean, yeah. Roy Keane was famous. Obviously, he was always world famous in Cork, but he was famous for being a professional footballer. Now he's in media superstar. That's it. That's it. I mean, he, he's yeah. just different level altogether. But you're going to have to keep on updating your characters, though, aren't you? Yeah. Because some of them you will park. Of because course. Because they're of no longer relevance. Yeah. I mean, for instance, do you do, you talk about doing yeah. tours, tours yeah. of schools. Do you do Killian Murphy at all? No. You I need to work on him. Do you think so? Well, he's he was a press boy. God, have I not done enough Cork characters <laughs> for you already? You're, but, but, but I mean, that's, what, that, that's why I'm getting these emails. Could you make it a bit more Cork? No, I Mario's Cork bit was grand, but it was no Killian Murphy. No, I know that. I mean, I don't mean to be critical, but there's Cork and then there's everywhere else. 
Yeah. And everywhere else is really not of huge importance to us. No, but when I'm down here, <laughs> I only do here and nowhere else. <laughs> but when I'm in Longford, I'm not taking Killian, Barry and Murphy to Longford. Do you understand me? <laughs> Well, I want Killian Murphy next time you're down because he's a major <laughs> yeah. hero of mine. He's you know one but, of the but greatest. Speaking about the beard, do you know what? He's talking about new characters. When I have that beard that you loved from the Late Late Show, yeah. I found a second use for it. <laughs> All I have to do is put a beanie on and suddenly I become Tommy Tierman <laughs> talking complete shite about the West. Sligo <laughs> is like a spirit animal, isn't it? Go you know, my, come on. The North Man is like... A Buddhist retreat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny place, actually, because I was a Southsider. So all you have to do is put a beanie on and you're funny. I was a Southsider in the in the North Mon. Yeah. And I often describe it originally in the early days of like being, like being um, you know, as popular as uh, a Snickers in a fat camp. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Completely, like, like it was like a, a really strange place. That's, really, a, that's <laughs> really unfortunate. Yeah, what, like, what was it like being fat, Neil? <laughs> no. Oh, sorry, you said you were a Snickers. Did you? Sorry, I thought you said you were obese. No, it's just oh, that. Is that why you started? doing working out with the weights is that why you're in the gym every morning Neil is it because the taxi man told me that you're what is it you're squatting now 110 they, is it they just know everything don't they yeah they do everybody they knows everything, everything about you. But what I loved what I loved about it was that he didn't call it your Porsche he called it your hairdresser's Porsche, Porsche. Porsche. there's any, a silver Porsche I outside I have no idea who owns that silver <laughs> yes you do there's only about three cars outside this door is it your Porsche one day you out my watch and the next day you out my, my, my car yeah. what else are you going to be outing so um, <laughs> so, so that's it so, so I hope I gave you a little tour of Cork there, you did. Yeah, yeah. and an extended tour of Cork when in March isn't yeah, it 8, 9, 10th of March they'll sell out like they always two of them do. are sold out already yeah <laughs> <laughs> says he laughing well I'm delighted rubbing yeah. his hands in glee well I absolutely love Cork I am part Cork I mean part of my DNA genetic code is Cork there's no question about yeah. it when I came down I told you this before but when I came down to Cork I was 14 and I didn't have any hairs on my arms and <laughs> And the by the time I left Cork, I had hairs everywhere. <laughs> in other words, I went through it at the most hormonal part of my life when I discovered girls. Discovered girls in Ashton. In Ashton. And, um, and I remember even my first girlfriend was from Cork, Camille O'Sullivan. And Camille oh, is a famous right. singer, Chanteuse, yeah. and yeah. she lived in Passage West. And I used to go down and visit her and her mother and her father in Passage West. And Camille is, you know, doing wonderfully now in her life. She's playing Edith Piaf in The Gate. She's flying. And me and her were in school together and we had great teachers and a great English teacher who I've told you about before, Stephen Daunt, yeah. who encouraged me to do drama. So I found girls, I found rock and roll, I found drama and cork. What else do you need in life? Nothing. Well, I might be asked here to ask you about Paddy the Plasterer. Oh, Paddy the Plaster was Bertie years ago. Uh, Paddy, the, Paddy the Plaster was Bertie's friend. That's right. So do you still do that? No. Yeah. No, you ask me who I... I have to keep on reinventing myself. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. nowadays I'm doing characters like Joanne and Vogue from My Therapist Ghosted Me. <laughs> you see him on Neil Frienderville, yeah? I'd ride him. I think he's rideable. Oh, you can't say that, Joanne. I'd ride Frienderville. Totally. <laughs> it's nice to get the offer. Thank you very much. <laughs> It is. On that note, you're playing the Cork Opera House on the 9th, 10th, 11th oh, of I March. I wish I had more time. Am I cutting you off in your no, prime, as the actress no, said no, to no, the no. bishop? I, I, hope I, did a, I hope I did a bit of Cork for you. Commendable. Anyway. It was commendable, commendable work. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll get Killian Murphy next time. We'll, okay. move, we'll move you from a 9 to a 9 plus. <laughs> yeah, you're very kind. All right. It's great to see you. Thank you so much. Happy, happy Christmas. Ah, uh, yeah, you too. And I'm really sorry about your Chernobyl tree. <laughs> Got a Christmas tree. Can you mind me? Neil got, got a, a tree yesterday, tree and it's yesterday. all gnarled and mutated. We bought it in the dark. <laughs> <laughs>
I know. That's all I can say about it. You know, we bought it in Miriam the says she'll get you a much nicer treat. Give We've fallen in love with it. As my, under as the my, mistletoe, no, as my wife said when we brought it back, she said, oh my God, thank God you bought that tree. Because mm. that tree would be the loneliest tree over Christmas because yeah. nobody would have bought it except you. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> Listen, Neil, and have a great Christmas. And you too, once man. more, thank you so much for having me on your show. The one and only Mario Rosenstock. Uh, it's always a pleasure Katrina's to see Penny Dinners. <laughs> Playing the Cork Opera House Thursday the 9th, Friday the 10th, and Saturday the 11th of March. Which two are sold out, incidentally? Do you know? I'd First two. Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturday. Yeah. So if they're sold out, guys, book get in tickets. Thursday. Yeah, get in quickly. Mm-hmm. Book tickets for the Thursday. And another thing, you give them as a good Christmas Christmas gift if you're stuck as well. Well, not stock. There'll be a much demand Christmas gift, but they're available at the Cork Opera House box office. Thanks, Mario. Thank Happy you. Christmas. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086 104106 Okay. Red FM. Don't forget the annual Briar Rose and Edel House toy drive that's on and it ends this day week, the 22nd, Thursday the 22nd. Donate new unwrapped toys for local kids this holiday season and you can drop them off to the Briar Rose on the Douglas Road. And tonight is the Christmas quiz night. Now, I don't know, you'll have to check for yourself whether there still are some tables available for the quiz and raffle night. And you can book a table for the Christmas quiz night uh, by calling 429 429- one six eight six, or checking out the Briar Douglas uh, on social media. But the phone number is four two nine one six eight six, and all of those proceeds will go towards the uh, big toy and charity drive uh, for Edel House and families in need this Christmas time. Uh, from this morning, uh, I was talking about cyclists saying that enough motorists aren't being fined for being unkind to cyclists. I can't go on air, but cyclists should by law be made to wear high-vis and fined for cycling on footpaths. This should include guys on electric scooters and those doing deliveries. It's the proper way forward, says Kieran. Yeah, I mean, I was just talking about yesterday uh, after dark as I was driving uh, around about six and again I was driving at uh, around about uh, 11 last night picking somebody up but unfortunately on both occasions cyclists just cycling away in their own world not a light on the bike and no way of seeing them I mean it's it's extraordinary that they're not hit and if they're hit by a car of course and they've no lights on the bikes and you can't see them who gets blamed um, the RTE vouchers one and a half million for staff vouchers it's easy for them to be given out vouchers it's coming from the fools who pay the television license I haven't got a dog license never mind a TV license, says John. I wonder, did you never, ever in all your life never have a TV license? Because I know any time that I'm late in paying it, <laughs> I don't think that I'm being victimised in any way, shape or form. But if I don't renew it in time, somebody calls to the door. So maybe if you never had it, they don't know who you are and they'll never call. Maybe the problem is buying one in the first place and then they know who you are. And when you don't renew it, they'll come looking for you. So maybe it's the ones who never had the TV licence. Maybe they're the lucky ones. They get left alone. No, but very seriously, uh, the loss of a soldier uh, in the Lebanon dominates the news this morning. And by text, you've got young Irish men out there losing their life. And at the same time, you have young men pouring from countries who are at conflict into our country. None of this makes any sense. Uh, You'll excuse if we question the sincerity of Simon Coveney. This is the same man who openly argues for the militarization of our nation and the abandonment of our neutrality. 
In Simon Coveney's new world, the tragic news we received this morning would be an even more regular occurrence, says Richie. Um, isn't it true that each soldier gets €30,000 per trip? I do not know the figure. That's all I can say in that regard. Um, but I did think that that was all volunteered. But now, apparently, um, if there isn't enough volunteers, there's mandatory selection. Uh, I did. We did check this, though, with the amount of money. The UN has a standard rate which is $1,428 per soldier per month. But those figures are from 2019. So it's about 1500 a month, it would appear, um, as, a, as a reimbursement. I don't know whether that's on top of regular wages and pay or not. John says they just shouldn't be out there. Uh, and just one or two more. The army has shifted terms of conditions. Everyone is now leaving because of it. Uh, what a load of propaganda. There'll be no one held accountable for this killing. These guys are paid nothing, so they have to go abroad to risk their lives to feed their families. And one final one. Uh, why didn't you ask about the boys tearing up their passports on flights into Ireland? It's amazing Simon Coveney was available today. I think that's unkind. Uh, I think um, he's quite capable of coming on air for a robust interchange with me at the best of times. I think he was right just to deal with the issues regarding or the tragedy of the death of a soldier. Um, the other stories, of course, have not gone away. Cost of living, issues with regards to trying to survive, but he believes that's for another day. And I've said it once, I'll say it again. He's probably right. Text 0868104106. Mick Barry, um, I wanted to talk to him again regarding the amount of people few hundred thousand people who are pay-as-you-go customers. He made a point in the doll to stand up and ask Michal Martin, uh, you know, why they were being treated differently, why they were being cut off, and whether they would be treated as same as bill-pay customers and whatever. He didn't get a straight answer to a straight question, so he raised it again in the doll uh, yesterday. Do I have an audio clip of this? And if so, uh, where is it? Because I'd like to play a small little little clip, but this is just a section of um, his second question that was asked yesterday. Uh, not, uh, not to Micheál Martin, but, but have a listen all the same. On one of my local radio stations in Cork this morning, uh, a letter was read um, from a chap who described his experience of being disconnected on more than one occasion over the last week. All right? Of course, the energy industry and uh, some on the government benches uh, will slyly say that he wasn't disconnected. He was self-disconnected because he couldn't afford to put more money in the meter. But you know and I know that that's playing with words and that that, that uh, man and his family were dis- disconnected and that you have organised this setup in such a way that discriminates against pay-as-you-go customers. There is a moratorium in place, a guarantee of no disconnection for bill-pay customers and the same guarantee is not in place for pay-as-you-go customers. But the Taoiseach said yesterday there will be no energy cuts at Christmas. To be fair, I, is there a deal in place with the companies to give people a guarantee? I or is he with, hitting and hoping? Is that a guess? I mess with, I, I with every Amen one Ryan. of the companies. I'm with the Vincent Paul. I'm with Mabs. The mechanism we're using is we're building on what's working, that we're saying to customers who is at risk, in any way at risk, to contact their energy supply company and their means and mechanisms, including the social welfare office, but also this additional fund, a belt and braces approach to make sure that people do not face that prospect. They, they have resources and we're providing resources. So there's no guarantee resources. and there's no one-week moratorium. Not even a one-week moratorium, Minister. Not even a one-week moratorium for the pay-as-you-go customers. It isn't. That's a disgrace. No. 
yes, it's not. It's up. 10 million euro additional to the 1.2 billion euro Thank which you. were provided to every household Thank in through you, this winter Thank period, you, which the SRI said and showed Thank protects you. the most vulnerable. That's Thank what you, we actually do. Okay, Mick Barry joins me by phone. Um, I'm not any clearer, to be honest with you, Mick, are you? Yeah, I think it is uh, becoming uh, clearer, Neil. Um, so, Neil Martin said that there would be no disconnections Christmas week. And the question to Eamon Ryan uh, was, is that because he's done a deal with the energy companies and they've given a guarantee that there'll be at least a one-week moratorium for the pay-as-you-go customers? Or is he saying he thinks there won't be any because he thinks it'll be all right on the night? Uh, and basically, Eamon Ryan's reply was to say that uh, he's confident that there will be no disconnections because he thinks it will be all right on the night. So that's the clear. Um, so you're that's okay. I see what you're saying. It'll be all right. They're just going. They're winging it. He said, "Contact your energy supply company. Contact the Vincent de Paul and contact Mabs." Have they given Vincent de Paul and Mabs one point two million or something? Uh, no, they hadn't. Um, I think a lot of people had the impression that 10 million euro had been put on the table. Um, that wouldn't have been put on the table if we hadn't been banging the drum on this over the last number of weeks. But I think people had the impression that 10 million had been put on the table and that organizations like Alone, who do great work for the elderly, and MAPS, who do such important work as well, uh, would, would be in a position to distribute the money. It, it turns out now, I mean, I studied the press statement that Eamon Ryan put out and it's pretty clear to me from that statement that the 10 million euro has been given to the private energy companies. Uh, and they've been asked to use that as a hardship fund. Some of those companies did have a hardship fund in place already, but some of them had refused to take uh, any money from their profits and set it aside as a hardship fund. And the government have now given them money, which is taxpayers' money. And it seems that the, uh, the drill is you ring your energy company. The energy company puts you in touch, in touch with the likes of Mabs. I know you've got Mabs on next. They can explain exactly how it works out from their end. Um, and then some kind of an arrangement is put in place that the energy company signs off on. Um, but that, but how will that happen in the, the moment when somebody... But how will that happen in the moment when somebody's at home in the coming weeks or whatever? I know it's getting milder next week. I get all of that. But that won't change much with regards to the cost of living. And they're at home and they have no money to put in, as we used to say, into the meter. They pick up the phone instead, is it, while, while there's no light and heat? Well... It'll be interesting to, to, to take the speaker from Mabs and maybe they have more uh, information on exactly how this works out. You would get the impression from listening to Eamon Ryan that there's a bit of a process involved here. You ring the energy supplier. The energy, energy supplier puts you in touch with Mabs. You, 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 you pr- presumably don't make a deal with Mabs there and then. You have to have some conversation. It's way too complicated. Things out. It's way and too they complicated. get back to the energy now look, the reality of the situation is that, you know, we're headed for Christmas week. The kids will be off school and there'll be all the pressure of getting, you know, Santi and, 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 and the tray and cooking the Christmas dinner. And it'll probably come down uh, to the moms more often than not. The idea of having to, to jump through those hoops rather than the government doing what could be done and should be done and saying, OK, we have a moratorium on gas and electricity disconnections for the winter. It applies to, be, uh, to bill pay customers. 
it will apply to pay-as-you-go customers as well. But they won't do that because they don't want to step on the toes of the pay-as-you-go pay com companies who make such big profits in this country. Okay, so they still treat people living in this country in a discriminatory manner and they're implying that they're more dishonest than bill-paying customers and it'll be harder to get the money out of them. That's, that's a disgrace. I think that hits the nail on the head. But there's a moratorium on gas and electricity disconnections. If you're a bill-pay customer, it covers you. And if you're a pay-as-you-go customer, you can't. Of course, they say that it can't happen for technical reasons because of the way that uh, the meters are set up. But there's guarantees that people won't be cut off on a bank holiday. Uh, people are given guarantees they won't be cut off on a weekend. So if they can give those guarantees, why can they not give a guarantee to say that you won't get cut off on any day of the week with a Y in it. Okay, <laughs> in I know what you're words, saying. Yeah, there'll be no yeah. disconnections this winter. Yeah. Okay, let me let me bring in. Thanks, Mick. Appreciate it. I'll let you get back to other business this morning. Mick Barry TD brought the question up again in the door yesterday. It wasn't with Hall, It was with Eamon Ryan. I wonder what the role of MABS will be in all of this. Ursula Collins is with MABS Cork. Can you clarify any of this for me, Ursula? Hi, uh, hi Neil. Good, uh, good morning. morning. I've been listening to uh, to Mick there. Um, I cannot uh, provide you with uh, complete clarity in the situation, and I suppose um, you know we don't want to get into a, a political uh, debate as such. But certainly, um, that we have um, had some discussions with the DCC about this uh, amount of money that's now being uh, confirmed by cabinet. So that's the additional ten million. 10 million. Um, fund and we very much welcome that. Um, Who holds that money, do you know? Um, looking at the announcement, the same announcement that Mick referred to there, um, it looks like they will be paying that directly through the energy companies who currently operate um, hardship funds. Um, but I think that detail has to be um, ironed out. Uh, certainly, we are happy to support the scheme in any way possible to facilitate getting those funds to people in a seamless manner. So the 10 million, your understanding, has been given to the pay-as-you-go companies that they bank and uh, hold as a hardship fund. And then when people struggle and can't find the money to pay their gas or their pay-as-you-go electric. What are they supposed to do? Yeah, so I suppose uh, just looking at the uh, the bill that, that went through Cabinet, what they are saying is that uh, the new fund will be available um, to the energy companies. They are focusing on the pay-as-you-go um, gas and electricity companies because they are particularly negatively impacted at the moment, as Mick pointed out. Um, so for the other funds that are operating, um, such as uh, through Board Gosh and through Electric Ireland, etc., and indeed for prepay power customers as well. That's the two hundred three times a year, yeah. Well, no, um, the the that's the budget amount you're referring to. Yeah. Now that will kick in as well for the general population. Yeah. But for anyone who finds themselves in uh, in difficulties or, you know, they're worried about impending bills, um, we do have direct lines in to uh, Board Gosh, Prepay Power, SSE, SSE um, Electric Ireland, all of them. And because the utilities has been such a significant issue, certainly for the last 18 months, 
um, we have developed those contacts so we can um, put in calls immediately to all of those providers and um, inter, uh, you know, act as a negotiator around uh, any imminent disconnection. Okay, I'll stay with that point seeing as you brought it up. You must be absolutely swamped if that's the case, that you react to every single call from somebody who's a bill pay customer who needs intervention to save themselves being caught, caught off by getting in touch with every single person's energy supplier to negotiate on their behalf. How, how do you cope with that? Yeah, well, I suppose we certainly saw a significant increase um, in the utility side and with huge bills uh, presenting to us. Uh, we have seen that that levelled off slightly in the autumn, but of course, in the last few weeks, uh, with the temperatures dropping, energy use going up, um, that has escalated. So whereas December, we would usually see a downturn in people coming to our offices. People are inclined to kind of, you know, obvious, understandably try to enjoy the Christmas period and worry about the bills in January. We have not seen that downturn now. We are seeing people continuing to come to our offices. and uh, But we do have those links in. Um, so if you, you know, we would say to people, don't leave it to the last minute. We are available up until the 23rd of December now. So please do come in to us. And if you have any concerns at all about your bills that you might be cut off, um, given the state of play at the moment, please do contact us sooner rather than later. We are free. Uh, confidential and we're you know we're there for everyone if you're a working person and it's hard for you to get into us we're available um, via WhatsApp via Zoom whatever suits you best Okay I'm, I'm, I'm clear over time now and out of time at this stage yes, but just course. to recap on the pay-as-you-go customers what are they supposed to do now the energy providers of pay-as-you-go yeah. have an extra 10 million what do they do when they have no yeah. money left yeah, when the, uh, do you mean when this fund is expended? No, or no when like as in now and in, in the coming weeks. Who do they reach yeah. out to? They literally, because people time content. after time, they're just, the system is shutting down, the heating is turning off when there's no money in the meter. Yeah. No, if, if you know uh, your people, you're using a meter, you know you haven't got money to put uh, money in the meter tomorrow. Contact us, contact alone, it was referenced earlier, contact the SVP. We all have established links into those companies. We can assist you. But isn't that very unfair, Ursula, that they're being treated so differently and made to do all of those things when others who have a bill pay will not be cut off until... Well, I agree Until with you sometime that in the the, new year. there should be equity. I agree with you. I understand there are some technical issues because of the metering system, but then I would say we need to resolve those, those but issues. But Mick is right, though. The, how could it be a yeah. technical issue if you can't be cut off over a bank holiday? Surely they yes, could just say... I, I think that has got to be looked at more closely. Uh, MABS would always advocate for um, a level playing field and for equity for all members of our society. Yeah, okay. So, okay. yes, I absolutely uh, agree with that point we have to iron out whatever it is um, that is making it more difficult for those particular customers. Yeah I mean you, you wouldn't go so far as to say it but I say, I say it that it is discrimination against Irish citizens but you're you're there to continue to do what you do and thank you for it okay. Ursula Collins uh, from Mabs Cork. If I don't get an opportunity to say it happy Christmas to you 
and all of the family and all of the people do great work for Mabs. Thank you, Arsene. Thank you very much. We greatly appreciate it. Cheers. Thank all you. the best. We'll thank pick it up after. Yours. Thank Bye you. Now. Thank you. Pick it thank up after 11. Text 0868104106. I'll give you contact details after 11 as well with regards to Mabs, Vincent de Paul, Alone, and other organizations like that. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show Sadly, of course, uh, we all woke to the news this morning of an Irish peacekeeping soldier killed in Lebanon last night and uh, another update with regards to that apparently that uh, soldier and the others that were injured were part of a group um, who were heading to Beirut to get two soldiers home for family funerals and the peacekeeper died three others were injured one very seriously following that incident um, so two other soldiers were just coming home for family funerals. It's just so, so sad. Um, and there is uh, some more information that can be now shared. Uh, I saw this this morning. Killa GAA have said this morning that there is a church service in Killa tonight at half past seven. You may ask why. Well, it's to pray for their club member, Shane Carney, who was injured in the Lebanon last night while on peacekeeping duties. Uh, and they're asking people in the local community area if they can get there. Uh, to the church service in Killa tonight at 7.30. Um, hopefully Shane Carney, who was injured, will make a 100% recovery. I did reference earlier that there was a Cork soldier as part of the convoy heading to uh, Beirut and uh, that's been confirmed this morning with a post from Killa GAA. Um, and you can get further details online yourself on that through uh, the Killa GAA Facebook page. Uh, so we wish him and indeed his family all of the best for a full recovery. It's very, very sad. Uh, meanwhile, I did mention earlier on this morning that uh, there was uh, somebody described it as chaos in the tunnel. That's apparently, uh, we were looking at the traffic cams from the tunnel this morning, there was a collision between a truck and a car on the tunnel in the tunnel uh, going southbound. So traffic from Donkettle is down to one lane and the message is to avoid it if you can for now because of that collision between a truck and a car in the tunnel. I don't know what happened and how it happened or what have you. I won't even dwell on that for now, but certainly it's best to avoid it. Uh, I'm heartbroken to hear the sad story from Lebanon this morning. In 2012, I had the great privilege of reading the unit histories from the beginning of Ireland's peacekeeping roles as Elizabeth. While reading it, it became quickly apparent that our soldiers were instrumental in helping the local people, who were often the only nationality to win their confidence, as in the Irish nationality was the only ones to win the confidence of the locals. I'm so proud of all who have served in the vital role of peacekeeper. Um, somebody questioning here, um, why, was, why was, wasn't there a helicopter used to bring the lad to the airport? Why were they using vehicles? It doesn't make sense to me to be taking that trip on the ground. If they used a helicopter, then we wouldn't have this story this morning. Well, I'm sure there'll be a full investigation. You can be sure, Neil, at this stage that all of the members of the injured and the deceased have been informed at this stage. Yeah, I, I knew that earlier this morning, but, you know, you still want to go through the respectful way of dealing with things slowly rather than just, you know, getting getting stuck in way too early. You never know who still mightn't know. Um, and, of course, uh, more information is undoubtedly going to uh, be brought to the public's, uh, public arena in the coming hours and days. It's in the soldier's contract. You must fulfil a tour of duty every three to five years. That was our contract anyway. We served from 1998 to 2019. I had seven trips overseas. Today is a tough day, Neil, for all our soldiers in our country. Nobody realises the effect this has on all. 
So RIP to the fallen soldier. So there's that and lots more besides. Can I get back to my phone lines? Do you want to pick up on where I left off just before 11? So we try to get clarity in the doll through Mick Barry as to how people as pay-as-you-go customers are going to be treated. It looks as if people who are pay-as-you-go are going to continue to be treated differently in a discriminatory manner than those who are bill pay customers. Then we spoke of the role of MABs who interject on behalf of everybody who's having trouble literally trying to pay bills. You can contact them on 0818-07-2000. 0818-07-2000. But how are St. Vincent de Paul coping as the cost of living crisis deepens? Jerry Garvey is the SVP Southwest Regional Coordinator. Joins me by phone. Jerry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Nice if, to speak to you. And you too. If previous years were tough, particularly at Christmas time for the v- St. Vincent de Paul, it must be even harder this time round, right? It has been quite tough this year, I right, think, because as well as the normal pressures there, you have the new thing of the, the energy crisis and spiralling bills, which are really frightening people. And the big thing about it is the uncertainty. Uh, people don't know where it's going to end or where it's going to go. So we're getting a huge volume of calls way up on last year. And the indications this morning, certainly from the Irish Times, is that, and I hate being negative about it, but that it's going to get a hell of a lot worse before it gets any better. Like, what kind of numbers are you dealing with? And, and what, what, is, what is the help that people are asking for? You, you mentioned bills, for instance. Do they want help with paying the bill? In a lot of cases, Neil, people have been managing just to survive and keep their heads barely above water with normal bills. But when bills kind of double, they just don't know where to turn. And they very often turn to, to ourselves in, in SVP just to see, can we give them a hand out? Uh, we do have a very good energy support scheme specifically to help people with energy bills for electricity and gas and stuff like that. How does that work? So if people are in serious trouble, what we would suggest to them is just pick up the phone and ring us in SVP and we will we will help them as best we can. As you've already alluded to in your, your earlier comments, um, some of the electric companies, it's quite complicated the way they operate and they're all different. So it's a, it's a little bit challenging. Uh, we have fairly good emails to many of the companies, so it, particularly if people are, are in serious trouble and they're at risk of disconnection. Uh, very often, if we if we get the authority of, of the, the customer to act on their behalf and we pick up the phone to the energy company, they will hold off on a disconnection knowing that we're going to step in and give some business support. Have you been approached by government or cabinet in that regard with regards to this extra fund that I referenced? I don't mean to go back over all ground, but 1.2 billion was set aside for the 200 euro three payments and an extra 10 billion now it seems to have been given to the pay-as-you-go companies. Do you have a role in that? Well, SVP as a, as a charity wouldn't have a role. I know that we would, as a charity at national level, we, we would advocate all the time, uh, you know, t- to help those most in need. And one of the big things that our our, our social justice uh, supreme, or Patricia Keelty, would be saying is it should be targeted supports, not just a blanket approach of giving everyone in the country X amount. So we, everything we do is based on need. Yeah. So do you believe that the, the 200 need, three times a year was wrong in the sense that some needed it more than others and some didn't need it at all? I suppose it's difficult to say, really. It was a government decision, so we wouldn't get involved in comments yet too much. I mean, I think they were they were trying to, to, to get a, a quick reaction to help the, the, the general public. But I think beyond that, I think it needs to be targeted. Some people have pay-as-you-go for convenience. I understand that. It's very convenient to be able to keep an eye on what you're spending. But for others, it's an absolute necessity because they are so strapped for cash that that's the best way they can use their money wisely by putting it in and using the app and using the card when they need to. Aren't they being very much discriminated against in this regard, that they're being told, we won't treat you the same as everybody else. We've given the companies money 
to help you, but you got to call the Vincent de Paul to access it. Yeah, it's a difficult one, Neil, because as you say, there are so many different ways that people are treated, and uh, a lot of the pay-as-you-go customers on various meters like that don't have the, the the same opportunities of switching companies as you would if you were in a bill pay. And it's, it's something that we've been, as a society, we've been advocating. Yeah. But yeah. Our, our our main thing at the, at this point, when I mean, we can't get involved in the political I understand. Values, I, understand. I understand. I understand. But the, the main thing we would say to people is, look, if you are in trouble, pick up the phone to us, and we will help you through it. And I suppose the case can be made as well for those that have to juggle whether it's actually having heat in the home or having food in the home. Food's an issue too, right? Food is an issue. And again, what, what usually happens is when other bills become very acute, uh, people supplement their, their, those bills from their food budget and then they're, they're running short of food. And it's very often, particularly parents, they'll, they'll, they'll put up with it and almost have nothing to eat until it gets to the stage where their kids are going hungry and then they pick up the phone and say, look, we need to help the kids. Yes. Yeah. So what we would say is, look, things are tough. It's been a very rough year. But the St. Vincent de Paul is still here to help. We're, the two messages we have is that, look, that there is funding there, there is food there, there's supports. So please, if anyone is in need, regardless of their background, pick up the phone and talk to us. And the second thing I would say is, I would say, first of all, to thank the people who are generously donating to us, which allows us to do that support, and to ask them to keep on helping us. How can they help? They can help in many ways. They can give donations to us. Uh, we've just had our, our annual... Um, church collection there last weekend unfortunately the weather wasn't kind to us so the numbers were small we have a massive car draw going on this year as we do every year we're selling tickets right now in Mahan Point Shopping Centre and we have a main shot going out to every home across Cork and Kerry so most people have the car draw tickets probably sitting in their sitting room if they haven't already returned them so we'd ask them to maybe return those tickets with the payment and support the draw because every every penny that comes in from that will go to help people right across Cork and Kerry to, to get through the next tough okay. year. Okay, do you find you're helping more elderly this time around? It's a mixture really, Neil. The, the, the elderly are probably in many ways not as demanding because they don't have the, they don't do as much travel, they don't have the expenses associated with children that, but they do have their, their, their challenges. I mean, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah, it's heartbreaking that they are impacted because some have to make the call as to whether it's food or heat or what kind of presents they can buy for their children who are innocent to all of this. Isn't it true? Absolutely. And I mean, again, we're we're getting huge support from a lot of our corporate partners that are donating food and toys and all that's being gathered at the moment in our toy warehouse. So we'll, we'll be supporting anyone who, who has difficulties like that, that needs some toys for their kids and hasn't got the funds. Okay. Uh, our campus are out there helping them now and, you know, getting to them with, with support. Okay, you do incredible work and thank you for it. Happy Christmas to all at St. Vincent de Paul, uh, Jerry, And of course, the very important Cork number is the 4270444 number, isn't it? That's the main number, yeah. And I would keep on saying to people, if you have a need please pick up the phone. Don't, don't be the least little bit shy about it. Okay, well said. Very often the people who are most needed are the ones that are slowest to pick up the phone. And yeah. what we always say to people is, in your time of need, come to us for help. And when you're back on your feet, you always have the option of donating to us. Well said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Passing it on, as they say. Fair play. Jerry. thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. All the best. That's all. Thanks, Neil. Jerry Garvey from SVP. That number, 021-427-0444. 427-0444. Back after the break. 
Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeed. We're two very important guests in the studio. Just chatting, chatting with Jack from Prez and with uh, Ava from Colosh to Cullum. It's like 30-odd years now that the boys and girls of Share have been coming into my studio on the first day of the collection and the fast. So thank you for being the uh, ambassadors this year. How are you both? Uh, I'm good, yeah. I hear tell you had a good old bit of crack with me, Hall Martin, you had a conversation with the Mosque Whale yes, recently. Yes, I did. How was, was that tough? Uh, it was kind of nerve-wracking at the start. I hear you played a blinder. Thank you, yeah, I did. I, uh, yeah, so. what, what, were you t- what did you talk to him about? Um, so I just spoke about Cher and the importance of it and just thanked him for coming as well. It was kind of a pleasure to have him there. Well done you. How's his Irish? It's very good. He would be because he's a teacher in a former profession. Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so well done. Anyway, listen, welcome in studio. So, Jack, the Prez boy. It all started with Prez, didn't it? This is the 53rd year. Now, it's blown out completely because you've got how many schools, boys and girls? Uh, I'm not entirely sure the proper figures, but there's about 20 plus schools. Isn't it amazing? Today's day one, yeah? Yeah, The crib went up. All the lights are on. Does it look magnificent? Oh, it's brilliant. We've got um, the crib went up over the weekend. We had the blessing of the crib yesterday. And, you know, everybody was there and we had a great time. We had the bishops out, we had the Lord Mayor, everybody was there. It's a big change year on year because we're moving all the time away from a cashless society. And I worry about share when people don't have change in their pockets. How are you guys, whichever wants to, how are you combating that? Well, not many people carry cash anymore. And that's the way that we used to collect. But what we're doing now is we have tap boxes, which we only had a few years ago now. What's a tap box? So a tap box, it's it's the same thing as a, it's a collection box, except you can tap with your phone and you can tap with your card or you can put it in and donate that way. And another thing we have is QR codes. So <laughs> Amazing. wherever we don't have a tap box, we'll have QR codes out there on the collection tins. And all you have to do is scan your phone and say, you know, this is my card and, and that you can make a donation online then. That's amazing. I love that because otherwise you'd be going numbers down as opposed to numbers up because yeah. as you're right, like I'm here now, I have no cash, <laughs> nothing. You know, and I don't people, think many people carry cash they anymore. Don't. Do you no. guys carry cash? No, no, not at all. Do you ever have cash? No, no. never. What do you use? I Ava? use Revolut, so I never have cash on me anymore. Would you recognise a fiver or a tenner or a twenty? <laughs> um, by their colour? Not even? anymore, no. Isn't that me? <laughs> Go away. Uh, yeah, so it is definitely uh, important that we're moving at the times as well. Now talk a little bit about the services provider rather than me listing off what you've done over the years. In the last 53 years, the amount of homes you've built and the people that you deal with in the daycare and the, and the home visits you do. So... Um, there's a, around seven complexes around Cork City. Um, we ourselves do visitations once a week with the elderly, um, and that's really great. Like it passes a few hours for them, and they can get to see us. And then we have meetings, and there's daycare, so the elderly have loads of services uh, like healthcare. They have maintenance. They've got food services, so it's really great for them. In the sense that there's a hot dinner and everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the list of properties then are all across the city. I see Shear Street, Sunday's Well. I see Canuck Vera and Fair Street, Upper on Shandon, Dyke Parade, Abbey Street, William O'Brien Street, Grattan Street. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's some undertaking. That's where all of the funding went to build and to buy these properties for the elderly. And the home visits are really important, aren't they, Jack, from the yeah, point of view of right, yeah. company? Yeah, so every week about a, a group of about six students for each complex we'll go out and we'll like I'm part of the one on Shear Street 
I'll go out and I'll go with my group and we'll go and talk to the other people there because these people, they have so much to talk about. I'm glad you mentioned that because, I mean, you're probably learning a lot from them. That's right, we are. We're, these people are full of wisdom and we are so naive, but we're, we're just sitting down and listening to them. They have lots and lots and lots to talk about. And they, and they clearly look forward to the visits. They are, they are. We have, we do tea parties, we do the loss, and we try to get them out of their rooms because COVID's kind of shut them away a oh, bit. Oh yeah, that must have been tough. Yeah, Did yeah. you have to kind of like postpone a lot of things with regards to home we, We've postponed a, a decent amount of things, but we always try and get it through. And whenever we do get something through, we'll always try and get as many people as we can out. Recently, we had a, a lunch, a Christmas lunch, and we got as many as many of the residents out as we can. I know, we were there for it. It was fabulous. Oh, yeah. I'll be playing some of the audio of that next week. <laughs> but Ava, this is all student-run, student-led, student management. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a fabulous, it's a huge responsibility, but a fabulous achievement that every year some new group comes in and takes over. Yeah, so a few months ago, like we were very disorganized, but <laughs> now it is really good. Um, we have like we've gotten to know each other so well, um, and now we've come to today was our first day of collecting out on the streets of Cork, so we're really like well organized now. Okay, okay. so I got to talk to you about the cold. Certainly today and tomorrow. Saturday's going to be a bit milder and Sunday's going to be wet. It's a tough place to be on the street, isn't it? You know, today and tomorrow in that bitter cold. It's absolutely Baltic out there. <laughs> but we're all wearing extra layers. We've all got more than two pairs of socks on at least. Gloves, scarves, hats, the lot. Um, but what we do know is that as cold as it is and as how miserable as we are, we know what we're doing is we're doing it for the good cause. We're doing it for a right reason. So when we're out there, you know, although we're sick, cold and miserable, we're still having a good, we're still having a good time. Knowing and that have fun something. while doing it, guys. Yeah. Have mm -hmm. fun while doing mm -hmm. it. What about those on the fast? Are you, you, are you guys fasting? No. Not yet, no. no. Not yet. But you will? Yeah. Have you been practicing? <laughs> we did a, I think I did a small practice run by myself to make sure I'd actually live. <laughs> How long did you last? Not long. <laughs> well, better luck for the real fast then, all right? Okay, so it starts today. And I love the idea of the QR codes. I love the idea of the tap boxes because society is moving much more cashless, but you're taking cash as well, of course. Of course, yeah. And anywhere people see a yellow box or a yellow jacket, give what they can. Isn't that the message? Right, yeah. Okay. Anything helps. Oh, absolutely. And it all ends up adds up to a big money, big amount of money that will help the elderly. I'm in awe of what you guys do. This is the 53rd year of it. Congratulations. Have a great share run right up to Christmas Eve, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if I'm right, you get into shopping centres as well as the city centre. I believe so. I think we yeah. have a few cribs set up in the shopping centre. So, people so well done. Well done. done. People there. should give as generously as they could. Happy Christmas to both of you, Ava and Jack, and all of the rest of the share boys and girls. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank, Thank you. you. Great to see you. Another Thanks. wonderful achievement. May they have a great year. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Greetings to the Rebel County. This is Spider from the Pogues. Hope you have a great Christmas and a happy new year. This is officially the greatest Christmas song ever written. Sorry, Mariah, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. There was Christmas Eve, never ages, does it? It's one of those...
timeless classics. The Pogues with Kirsty McCall and Fairy Tale of New York. We have 200 euro vouchers every day this week for Michelle, the jeweler's family-run business on Patrick Street. You can look at all of their catalogue of stock at michellejewelers.ie online or visit in person to Patrick Street. 60 years doing the business. Congratulations uh, to Alicia Dowling. Everybody's treating themselves to watches these days and that's what she's going to do. She's going to treat herself to a nice watch. Well, the selection of watches in Michelle, the jewellers, is second to none. And Alicia lives in Rathcormark, uh, near Formoy. So, happy Christmas to you. Well done, caller nine. Same drill tomorrow. Uh, between now and midday, we still have some uh, vouchers to give away from McCarthy's uh, Butchers on Hawks Road. For years now, they've been giving me turkeys and hams. And you can get a turkey and ham and other things if you so choose, or whatever you'd like to buy at the Hawks Road uh, Bishopstown store of McCarthy's because they're 100 euro vouchers. So, we'll try and squeeze another Christmas tune in for for those at this side of midday. But talking about food and events, and this is the time of the year when people are giving and giving as much as they can with some very sad and disturbing stories on air, on air yesterday. And I hope to come back to some texts and emails and calls on that and how difficult some people are finding it. But decent munch, right? Not decent munch. It's not a decent munch. It's a decent munch. Um, they, unbeknownst to many people in Cork, have been helping Cork's homeless for quite some time now. And every Tuesday, they provide... Um, helping Cork, home, Cork City Homeless Group with uh, hot meals every Tuesday to pass out in the city. And had a bit of a think about it recently to think that at Christmas time it's more important to be even looking after more. So they have a big, big event planned uh, in association with Cork City Homeless Group and Mayfield United. And they put on a, they're putting on a big family event and they asked me for a shout and why w- shout out and why wouldn't we considering that people need help and they're willing and have put together loads of great prizes for this big family day. But what's it all about? Well, Liam Horgan is a partner with Not Decent Munch, Decent Munch. Liam, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you getting on? Still haven't got up to try your nosh, but Darren at the three shop, who's heavily involved in this promotion and involved in Mayfield, he looked at me in bewilderment yesterday when I said I still... He said, what? Are you insane? It's fantastic. I know, you're going to have to get up soon. Otherwise, you'll have to drop it down one or the other. <laughs> no, you're all right, man. Give it to people who need it more than I do. Congratulations. What are you planning this, this side of Christmas next weekend? Uh, well, we have a family fun day planned for Saturday the 17th um, from 11 to 2. It's on in Mayfield United Park there. So um, we've got um, DJs organised and family, basically kids games and stuff. Um, and ourselves, we're going to pull the van up as well. Um, obviously, we, we started opening the van originally before we had the restaurant. So we're going to use the van to serve food on the day as well. Um, so all proceeds on the day um, are going to Cork City Homeless Group. Um, I know you were on to um, Anthony there a few weeks ago. Yeah. So they do savage work, to be fair to them. Um, we're basically no funding. They're funding it all themselves. Barred a little bit of help to get off us and somebody else as well. So, what do you do every Tuesday, Liam? Um, um, well, every Tuesday, Anthony just, he, he kind of calls up there during the day and he drops us up a bag and then he comes back and collects it. It's no big hassle to us. It's only, it only takes us 20 minutes to get the food ready. Um, to be fair to the lads, they do most of the work. Um it's just a case of us throwing on 25 hot meals from and they come up and collect them. Isn't it incredible? Um, but just if there is anybody else listening that would like to jump on board with the lads that could help on another night, I know it would help them out big time. Um, any other local businesses or anything. Because um, I know they're kind of completely self-funded and every other night that they're doing it, they're doing it. And what, motivates you, what motivates you to do that? Sense of community, uh, is it? Compassion? Uh, well, yeah. We, we've, we've been lucky enough there um, to get unbelievable support from Cork. Um, like we're very busy every night of the week, so um, it doesn't cost a lot to give back. Like so. So Saturday, 
Um, what's the plan then? What time? Who's going to be there? Uh, well, we're starting from 11 o'clock, so we're going to start with some, obviously it's in the football club, so we're going to start with some um, football activities, little games, um, little spot prizes for the kids and stuff. Um, to be fair to the lads at Mayfield, Darren, uh, Jonathan, Darren, Keith, they've given me savage help this week because we've been very busy in the shop, so they've organised an awful lot of the first few hours of it. Um, we've got Darren Lynham coming up DJ and then... Um, we're still trying to sort out like um, kids entertainment if there's anybody that would like to help um, a magician would work well there wouldn't it a magician would be cool any, if there was yeah, one anything, any, anything that they could give even a half an hour of their time just to come up and entertain the kids for a small while um, we kind of done it last minute so it's, it's hard to get people to jump on board but if there is anyone that's free on Saturday for an hour um, it'd be great if they okay let there. the shout out go out now to anyone that's listening that might have a talent that they could share Saturday get in touch with me text 0868104106 and I'll pass it on to you there's a big raffle isn't there are you, are you looking for more raffle um, items um, yeah well if, if if other businesses could donate um, spot prizes would be brilliant but we have like the generosity of people there has been unbelievable the last few days um, we've a list there as long as we are um, of prizes at the minute um, and just anyone that has donated so far, just like to say thanks. Um, it's making it a lot easier for us. Absolutely. And again, how did they get in touch if they want to get you a raffle? Um, they can they right can up. get in touch with yourselves, I suppose, and you can pass them on, or they can reach us on either of our socials, so on uh, Facebook or Instagram. Um, if they just drop us a message, we get back to them straight away. Fair play to you. And you know what? The weather will be kinder on Saturday because temperatures are going to climb to maybe six, seven, eight degrees. So it's not going to be as cold, right? Which is a yeah, blessing. Yeah, hopefully. But kids will be running around anyway. So they will. They'll make themselves warm. Just a quick yeah. shout out to Anthony, if you don't mind, from the Cork City Homeless Group. I know we chatted recently. Anthony, good morning. Hey, good morning, Neve. Good morning, Leo. Uh, fair play. It's going to be a big. It's going to be a big day on Saturday. How are you coping these days with the misfortunes in this cold? Uh, it's tough, like you know, but we get there. But the, the likes of Leon Dano is actually outstanding, like. You were telling me last time we spoke that you actually you and those that are volunteering, you spend your own money. Yeah, our own money, our own money, right? Like uh, we go out six nights a week there, but unfortunately, in the last. Two or three weeks, so we had to cut it back to just going out on the Tuesday night because we kind of ran a bit low on money. I can understand why and demands have been ever ending. Time, like, you know? Yeah. Well, listen, Saturday's going to make a big difference to the coffers then. Well, hopefully, so. and we're grateful there to Liam and all the staff. Okay, so Saturday. What time do you say, Liam? Saturday all day. Um, eleven to two on Saturday, Neil. Nice one. Okay, mm. and all in the local community are welcome. Yeah, everybody. Uh, it's not just a Mayfield United um, or a Mayfield thing. It's it's everyone from Cork if he can make it. To we're we're not charging any entrance fee or anything. We just ask at at the gate. We're going to have a donation box for the lads. All right, happy. Um, just if you could donate what you can. I know it's um, a hard time here, so whatever people can afford. It all adds up though to a big chunk of change. And tell me, will Santa Claus be paying a visit? Um, he could be. I'm just ask you there. Do you have any Santis? Okay, so we need a Santi helper and a magician, then, do we? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, at least we, we got a bit of one. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe Santa Claus, who is a magician. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. Sure. All right. Well, listen. Let's get the word out there that we're looking for a Santa Claus and or a magician or anybody else who might be able to entertain the kids on Saturday morning for a few hours up to up to two o'clock lunchtime. Best of luck with it, guys. Delighted to give Perfect. it a shout out on your behalf and happy Christmas. And thank you so much for your contributions, both you, Ray, and and also Anthony at Dayson Munch. Take care for now. All right.
Thanks, Thanks, Liam. Cheers, lads. Take care, Liam, and take care, Anthony. Appreciate it. If you can help, guys, and help Liam at Jason Munch and indeed uh, Anthony and everybody with Cork City Homeless, give us a shout if you think your services could be used. Text 0868 104 106. Pick up the phone on 0818 104 106. Um, A lot of people picking up on my conversation earlier or my chat with Mario Rosenstock, who's one heck of a funny guy. I love this one. Pat says, I once... I gotta tell you, I once crashed my van while listening to Mario doing Radio J. I can't remember the exact bit, but I ended up bouncing off a ditch, laughing at it. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the road, will you? Oh, and also, I think a correction. What what school did Mario say uh, that Rob Heffernan went to? Yeah, he did say Chris Reed, didn't he? Yeah, because somebody's texting me. Tell Mario that. Oh, I see what you're saying. Mario apparently said Mardike, whereas Rob Heffernan actually went to Creastree. It's not Reb Rob Heffernan correcting me on that. It's a few texters who just said, for the record, uh uh-uh, uh, wrong school. Anyway, let me get back to my phone lines. Ray, good morning. Good morning, Ian. How are you? One of the things I mentioned, and you think of, you look at the work that's been done by Cork City Homeless, right? The homeless group, volunteers, mm-hmm. digging into their own pockets to provide the money that's needed to buy the food and the clothing and everything that's needed. And at the same time, we have a strategic coordination uh, committee to look after homeless services in Cork that mm-hmm. haven't, met, haven't met in a year. Yes, Neil. I, I heard that story this morning. That's why I rang in. Um, and basically, they have a message December the 17th, 2021. And the group, Neil, because it it's made up of groups within the city, uh, Cork, um, Simon, DePaul, Focus Ireland, HSE, basically based groups of friends of interest in this. So the question is to be asked, who are these people that sit in this committee? Because it's been chaired by the Cork City Council, you know? And for what reason would they have not have met? I mean, if you talk about Simon or alone being on it, and I don't know if they are or not, they probably have a lot of important work to do themselves anyway, trying to look after people. But to use COVID as an excuse, that's not good enough. Well, it, it's not, because unfortunately, I've explained to Seamus there, the people that they work on behalf are the most vulnerable in society. And be, these people are kind of, uh, they're quite rough as it is, as in they're, they're what we call the unseen. And you can imagine, no need in this cold weather where people, you know, need something to stay or whatever. Like, you would think this group is needed more than ever into what, are, what, we're, what, we're, what we're going through. Yeah. Like I said, it's chaired by the, city, by the Cork City Council. The question is to be asked, Neil, who, who's on, who's on, who sits on this committee? Because I don't know what's a committee or, or is it a board? Because obviously someone chairs that. I can find that, that out, but it doesn't sound as if it's an effective strategic coordination if they're not meeting. Well, obviously, with all due respect to people involved, obviously they can meet in Zoom and whatever, and that's their own reason why they haven't met. But they should come out and say, like, what have they been doing since 2021? It, it, it hasn't even said that they've met on Zoom. It hasn't even yes, said because that. the equivalent group and Kerry and Neil have met only recently on December the 6th. And do they meet regularly, the Kerry equivalent? Well, they must, they must, they must have because, again, they, their, their last meeting, they said that they've met on December the 6th, okay. the Kerry equivalent of right. the Cork group, you know? And All one right. sort of thing there, yeah. and especially Neil within, within the cold weather, I mean... The city council, um, I wouldn't say it's their policy, but they do have a habit of going around taking tents from the poor misfortune people who use them on the they street do. and they it, dump it, those tents. That is a fact. They go around every morning yeah, oh, and they dump it, them. And then the homeless services it, have to provide them with new tents. Well, okay, fair enough, but obviously need someone within the city council directive should make 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 a decision, especially in this, group, this cold climate, to cease that practice. Because someone has to say what they're doing, someone, and it's not the, the person on the, who's doing the job, they're being told what to do, but the directive needs to come from the top 
to stop this practice of dumping tents, especially in just this cold weather. Well said. Well said. Fair play to you. Well said. Thanks, Ray. Look after yourself. Um, Whoever made that policy decision and instructed people to do it needs to reverse it urgently. I'm not a huge fan of Minister Coveney, but I think he handled the interview earlier with you this morning with dignity and respect for the fallen soldier. He was right not to answer any other questions, particularly regarding the cost of living crisis. I agree with that. The Irish government did nothing up the north when people were being burned out of their houses and they have soldiers out in another country peacekeeping who should not be out there. Morning, I have friends in the army. It's good money when you go abroad. It's compulsory that you go once you join the army. However, you can volunteer to go again and many soldiers do, particularly the younger ones, if they have no kids or aren't married and they like to go a few times. Uh, Soldiers get roughly 15 grand off the UN and their wages paid. That's what brings up their pay. So that's just to correct the earlier figure that I have. Thank you for whomever gave me that stat, 15,000 plus salary. Could you please tell the person that soldiers are getting a, a lot less than they claim for the extra trips? Yeah, I've clarified that. Uh, lots then on energy issues and what have you um, from this morning's programme. Um, and a lot of which I won't get to this morning. But this, this is quite interesting. Though. If you look at issues regarding cost of living and energy, in this freezing weather... It's illegal to buy turf. Coal is now 17 euro for a 20 kg bag and it's 40 to 42 or more for a 40 kg bag. And that's up at least a tenner on the smaller bag from last year. And only kiln-drying timber is legal to burn. It's the horrific green policies that make it so expensive now just to heat ourselves in homes. Carbon taxes must be abolished. We had cold weather like this in, the, in 1963's winter, which went on for six weeks at least. If you don't believe me, read The Hollybow. What a fantastic production that is, says Sean. I think everybody would agree with that. And I have to say, this year's Hollybow is a particularly good read. Check it out. It's another ageless, timeless classic, isn't it? And uh, a 100 euro voucher from McCarthy's. Your turkey and ham is sorted or whatever else you want. Sharon Nolan from Merview Lawn in Ballyvalan. Have a great, great Christmas. Uh, again, our thoughts are with the family of the late private Sean Rooney, aged 23, from Donegal. Um, he's been named as the soldier who paid the ultimate price, his life in Lebanon. Private Sean Rooney, at the age of 23, from uh, Donegal. Shane Carney of Killa was among those on the US, on the UN peacekeeping duty in Beirut when the group of eight came under fire with one soldier dead, as I say, one seriously injured and two suffering minor injuries in total. And our thoughts are with Shane Carney and his family. And there is a church service in Killa tonight at 7.30 uh, to um, share prayers uh, for Shane and his recovery and his comrades and his fallen comrade as well, Private Sean Rooney from County Donegal. Our lines will stay open. Text 0868104106. You can email neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day and we'll pick it up in the morning. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.